Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. And it's Midday Matters time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Matters promise. And the number is 1300 736 736. That's the open line number. It's brought to you by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Midday Matters time. You call, you get on. We'll keep you in touch with all the trade stuff as well during the course of the day, day two of the trade period. If you haven't heard, I'm sure you have heard, but the official tweet from AFL House is that uh, trade paperwork lodged. Essendon has made an offer to restricted free agent Ben Mackay. North Melbourne are now in the three-day period where the club can decide whether to match the offer or not. The three-day period ends 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Friday, October 13th. So this Friday... So, in essence, North Melbourne are either going to get pick three or they match the offer. So, North, if you're North fans, if you're out there, what are you doing? Are you matching the offer or getting pick three? To me, North Melbourne is in the box seat if they get pick three and then do nothing when it comes to trading for Harley Reid. I reckon North, if they want to play a game of chicken with the West Coast, just call West Coast Bluff, they might be better off North getting a key defender in Daniel Curtin anyway as opposed to Harley Reid. Now, again, I haven't seen these kids play. I've only seen highlight packages, but North needs a key defender. If the West Coast want to take Harley Reid pick one, I reckon North might be better off just keeping pick two and three. Myself, North will have picks two, three, 14 and 20. They could take Daniel Curt and pick two or pick three and then get the next best kid in the draft as well, rather than using two picks in the first round to get Harley Reid. But just, just a thought... Your thoughts on that? one 736 is the number. The other big news is this, and we talked about it a bit yesterday, and uh, would Justin Lepich be the perfect guy to help the Western Bulldogs rise up the ladder? He's been a superstar as a player and coach, Justin Lepich. Okay, superstar might be too strong a word uh, with his coaching stint at the Lions, but Justin Lepich, three-time premiership player with the Lions. He was a superstar as a player. He coached the Lions for 66 games, but then become a premiership assistant with Richmond and a premiership assistant with Collingwood. And Sammy Edmund just reporting that, and I'll quote you Sammy Edmund's story here, Justin Lepich is poised for a role change at Collingwood after declining the Bulldogs' tempting approach. The Pies' head of strategy is set to take on a director of football performance-type position, a similar role to that presented by the Dogs, who now need to pivot. So that's a pretty big story, I think, as much as we're talking trades right now, with players, I think Justin Lepich is arguably the next cab off the rank when it comes to being a senior coach somewhere. I think he would have been perfect for the Dogs. It would have been tricky for the Dogs given that he might be the next cab off the rank as a senior coach if the Dogs didn't go well under 
the Luke Beveridge-Justin Lepage combo, but we're not going to see that now anyway. So Justin Lepage staying at Collingwood. That's a big win for Collingwood and a loss, I think, for the Dogs. And oh, I think it's a bit of a win for the next club that needs a senior coach as well. I think Lepper is the next cab off the rank. So your thoughts on that as well, or anything in the world of footy you'd like to discuss. one 736 736 is the number. I've got a few other things on my agenda that I want to get to, but I've got a couple of calls on the line. So I'll get to your calls, and then in a few minutes' time, there's one thing I want to ask you, and that is, is fan expectation a millstone around the neck of clubs? Is fan expectation a millstone around the neck of clubs? Because that's the word that was used earlier today by Nathan Buckley, and I'll play you the Nathan Buckley grabbing context talking about Port Adelaide. Uh, Shannon in Port Melbourne, though, you've been on the line pretty early as we head to your calls. By the way, you can send through your texts as well. The 40 Winks Temper text 0433 I'll read your texts out as well. 0433 Your new Temper Pro. Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper mattresses like no other. Shannon in Port Melbourne, welcome to you, Shannon. Yeah, going here, Yarn. Good. That's good, mate. I was just uh, wondering your thoughts on what Hawthorne are expecting for uh, Jacob Kaziski, but pick 25 and then willing to give a third rounder for um, maybe your child. Just want your thoughts on that. I think that's a little bit over for Kaziski. Well, I think key forwards depends on how much you value them, Shannon. So key forwards, there's not a lot of contested marks taken inside 50. If a team takes three or four for a game, it's it's sort of par for the course. So if you can get one who can take it three or four, then it's a hell of a big advantage. It depends on how much of a contested mark play you think Justin Kaziski can be going forward. He's, he was he was hot and cold with Hawthorne. Let me tell you, let me put that in your basket. To me, one week it looked like he could kick you five and take your five contested marks, but the next week he'd take you one and only kick you one goal or might go goalless. Marmy Chole is a little bit the same, but he just didn't seem at home at the Gold Coast. So I don't think we've seen Marmy Chole in full flight at a club where he seems happy. He played a lot of twos last year. So, yeah, Shannon, I think um, a pick in the 20s, given how even this draft might be, might be about right for both. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on the, uh, the maybe or Chole, I think, has a lot more potential than, than Kaziski. And for, for them to ask for a, oh, yeah, a future third, I think it's a little bit, little bit mm. under considering they want a 25 for Kaziski, in my, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, it's, are you a Hawthorne fan, Shannon? No, I'm actually Richmond. Okay. So what do you think of Marbia Chole? Would you... Were you disappointed when you lost him? Is he better than the, the Marbia Chole we saw at the Gold Coast? Uh, I think he's a better Marbia Chole at Gold Coast. He's, as you said, very inconsistent. But the potential on the kid, I think, yeah, phenomenal. Like, he can he can leap, he can mark, he can kick. And he's proven to do so. Like, he had a great VFL season. He kicked 40-odd goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think the second, I think the second chance option... I mean, there's a lot of guys that are key forwards these days having really good late in career periods. Tom Hawkins we've talked about a bit. Taylor Walker we've talked about a bit. Even Levi Casbolt has had a great late in in his career period. So I think there is that chance with both Kaziski and Chol, but maybe the upside of Chol might even be higher than Kaziski because we haven't really seen maybe a Chol in full flight, whereas we're seeing Jake, uh, Jacob Kaziski get plenty of chances. 
Great to have the discussion with you, Shannon. If you want to weigh in, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Uh, hold the line, Shannon. We've got a few things to give away today, so I better start giving them away early. We've got a heap of gift cards thanks to the House of Golf to give away. The House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf, and you've got an e-gift card coming your way. Hold the line. We've also got some Signet Boost power banks valued at forty-four ninety-five. A Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty-four-seven. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The number for midday madness. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, high pipe. If the pies land, Schultz and only lose Adams. Start the poll now. Collingwood or the field? Flag pies twenty-three twenty-four. Pete on the road here. The the Schultz to Collingwood. Gives me the indication that maybe maybe a club should make a play for Jack Ginevan. Would you like Jack Ginevan at your club? Where's his best fit, Jack Ginevan? Because if they get Schultz, then maybe Jack Ginevan doesn't get a game next year. So your thoughts on that? Because Jack Ginevan kind of squeezed into that Collingwood team. He's been told a couple of times by Craig McRae that he needs to um, read the room a bit better. I'm not sure going to the races was a great idea. I'm not sure his grand final after going to the races proved that it was a great idea at all. Had he won the Norm Smith or been one of the best on ground, then it might have been a different story. Hey, we're all going to the races next year before the grand final, but it didn't look like a great idea and it didn't sound like Craig McRae liked the idea. Where's Jack Inovan's best fit if Schultz goes there? And if you're a Fremantle fan, and not many Fremantle fans call this program, but the elephant in the room of this trade period is Fremantle. If they lose Liam Henry, and who's arguably their best winger and one of their best with ball runners, and lose Lockie Schultz, who's been their number one score and score assist guy for the last four years, then where does that leave Fremantle? They didn't make the eight this year. Where does it leave them next year? So if you're a Fremantle fan out there, give us your thoughts on that. A couple of texts that have come through as well. Pick three is an absolute joke for Ben Mackay. Um, well, that's what they're getting, North. That's just the way it is. It's a bizarre system we've got. And Dermot Brereton said it, um, what, a week ago, that, uh, that Hawthorne got the equivalent of a chalk wedge for Lance Franklin. And it is looking like that now, given that Ben McCoy's worth pick three. But that's the current system we're in. And there was a text yesterday. I actually saved it to one side yesterday. Hi, Dwayne. What type of player do you think the Pies should target in this year's draft? Cheers, Lowy from Stool. Well, it sounds like they want an extra chase-down, hard-tackle, uh, assist guy, uh, unselfish assist guy that can kick your goal or two like Lockie Schultz. It sounds like that's the kind of player that they want. Now, Todd Goldstein's also going to join us later on in the program, so he might even join us later this hour. I'll get an ad break out of the way just in case. Todd Goldstein joins us later this hour. But your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. It's the open line brought to us by Werribee Kier, and it's Midday Madness. Great to have your company. And I'll play you the Nathan Buckley grab after the break. Is fan expectation a millstone? Because the disturbing thing coming out of Port Adelaide's BNF last night is that their sandfall history, instead of being a plus and a great base to launch into the AFL, is now seen by some at the club as a millstone around their neck. Nathan Buckley is a sandfall the Port Adelaide Sandville Premiership hero. His first year at the club, he was BOG in their grand final win and won the best and fairest. Is expectation a good or bad thing for a club? Because it's the first time I've heard Port's high expectation from their fans called a millstone. To me, and 
Look, Port Adelaide always had this we expect a premiership mentality in the sandfall. I get this is a completely different competition, but in one way it was their unique culture advantage in the SANFL. It sounds like now it's a disadvantage in the AFL. If you don't win flags in the sandfall, you were always moved on. Jeff Motley was laid to rest this week, one of their icons of the Port Adelaide Football Club, a nine-time premiership winner, Jeff Motley. But as a coach, he finished third and third two seasons in a row, and he was moved on. Two years a third, not good enough at Port Adelaide to stay coach back in the Sandful day. So that's how high the expectation is. Is expectation a millstone around a club's neck, and is it a millstone around Ports? Your thoughts on that? We'll give away a signet boost power back after the break. Valid at 44.95. A signet boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24 second seven. Um, we did have a couple of calls on. The, in fact, Anthony in Bentley East is on the line. Sorry, Anthony, I missed your call on the list. Welcome to you. Hey, Dwayne, how are you going? Good. Mate, a um, couple of points. Firstly, uh, I know Ben uh, Mackay and um, Lance Franklin are obviously a, a different calibre of player, but um, I'm pretty sure Hawthorne made a, prim, uh, a grand final the year that Franklin got traded. North Melbourne yep. finished second last. So I think um, the Hawthorne supporters need to be a bit less salty on that one. Um Secondly, uh, Schultz to Collingwood. I like it. Um, Taylor Adams, his forward half pressure and um, and goal involvement this year was quite big for the Pies. So um, I like the move to get Schultz in if we're losing Adams. And, um, yeah, I think Ginevan still can have a spot in our forward line um, as he did this year. Uh, I know he didn't play as many games as he did the year before, but he, if he has a big pre-season and uh, gets a bit more fitness underneath him, I think he'll be fine. You're right, but would he get a? Is there a chance that he won't get a regular game next year every week, though, as opposed to somewhere else where he could be the star of their forward show? Well, potentially, but um, you need depth, as you know, Dwayne. So um, you know, yeah. the more players you've got in that position that are, are you know kind of challenging players for spots, the, the stronger the Collingwood forward line is going to be. And you're spot on about it. If you, what would you rather be? the 17th, 18th, 19th, and sometimes the 24th picked in a team that's a chance to win a flag or be first picked every week uh, in a team that's got no hope of winning a flag. That's the, the issue when you jump from a Collingwood to a club that's lower down the ladder that wants you desperately to play every week but can't win the flag next year. Hey, great to have the chat, Anthony. Grant in Sydney was also on the line. Grant, welcome to you. You got a thought about fan expectation? Welcome. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Now, Dwayne, I know you know better than anyone how that works. You were part of that 84 grand final side of the great Russell Ebert. Twelve months later, he was gone. And you were... So, yes, so to answer your question, most definitely the Port Adelaide success from the past is what's bringing us down for the future. That's my own personal opinion. Yeah, you think it's a millstone, see, Grant? I think it's I think it's great to have it. I reckon the Gold Coast would love to have fan expectation. I reckon there's a few clubs in the comp that wish they had more fan expectation. Always love your company for Midday Madness. Midday Madness for work. Locker, Karen Downs and packing and workwear for wherever you work. Straight back to your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Matt in Geelong. Welcome to you, Matt. Dwayne, how are you, mate? Good. Uh, I'm Carlton, man. So the expectation side of the things went through, I guess, both sides of the coin this year. Just before the and around the uh, the buy, it was like the eyes of the guys just looked like they had no idea what was going on. 
to the end of the year when, you know, things like the Melbourne game I was at, it was unbelievable um, to see the difference in the guys. And I don't know, it can be a millstone and a medal around your neck if it gets used right. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you on that, Matt, to be honest. I mean, not everything's black and white. And, you know, the, the, the same, the sickness can also be the cure. And I get what Nathan Buckley said this morning, and I'll play it to you in full. But I don't agree with the abuse that some of the Carlton players got from some fans this year at all. But I think the higher the fan expectation and the fever was this year for Carlton, I think almost worked in their favour when it turned. Matt, it became such a an overwhelming tidal wave of momentum the fans were into. It's almost like the fans sort of rode that wave and the players then rode the fan wave as well. Yeah, the Melbourne game, the, like I've been to grand finals and stuff, obviously we used to win, and there was nothing about that game, the Melbourne game especially, um, that didn't have that aura about it. Just the... the that's the bell levels, the excitement, everyone just, yeah, it was, it was great to see them come back. And if uh, if the fans can give them something, that's great. That's great that the players are that in tune. I don't know if I'd want to be if I was a player. You've sort of got your own sort of space going on as well. Yeah, some players love it. Some players love the pressure. Pressure makes diamonds, they say. Love Some players love playing for a big club with big expectation. Um I enjoyed playing for Port Adelaide, but that's all I knew because I played with Port Adelaide under 13s, under 15s, under 17s, under 19s, and then the seniors. So I was always brought up in that expectation, always kind of atmosphere. And when I went to Geelong or got to Geelong, at least there was I found that there was more balance amongst the supporters and uh, those involved with the club that had an expectation that football was just part of your life. You can also, you know, you've also got to get a life outside of football and you know, there were a lot of doctors and lawyers and people like that at the club at the time that had bigger fish to fry outside of footy one day as opposed to the Port Adelaide environment I grew up with, which was footy first and foremost and nothing else seems to matter or did matter back then. Yeah, here's Nathan Buckley on it from this morning. Thanks for your call, Matt. Thanks for weighing in. Here's Nathan Buckley, who attended Port Adelaide's Best and Fairest last night. He's an icon of the club. He was a premiership player and best on ground in the grand final in his one year at Port Adelaide. Uh, as a very young player, I think he might still have been 19, and he won Port Adelaide's Best and Fairest. He was vo- invited back last night, and he used the word millstone of expectation. His bucks. It was, it was addressed in a very Port Adelaide way. If I, to speaking openly, I think that the biggest millstone around Port Adelaide's neck is its expectation that it's going to win a flag every year. Mm. I mean, it's. I just just spoke with Bix over over the road on his program in South Australia, and. And, and reflected like how long it's 25 years since the Crows won one in 98 yes. so they went to back to back and this guy's a premiership captain sitting in front of me you've got to make the most and, and, and Adelaide have only been in one grand, grand final in 2017 since then they're not hard I mean they're not easy to get they're hard to get to and they're even harder to win um, it's not that we're not Port Adelaide the Port Adelaide power I'm playing in the same competition that the Port Adelaide Magpies are playing. That's not to denigrate the SNFL, but times change, generation changes, the the, the pointy end of, of everything is, mm. is harder, and it's hard to win a flag. So I, I think the expectation is the millstone around Port Adelaide's neck, and I think generationally, young players 
they don't cope with that expectation the way it doesn't work the same way as it might have 20 years ago or 30 or 40 years ago. There's um, that hardness is is not what necessarily brings you success. It's actually the enjoyment mm. and the drive to succeed and to be your best and to be your best together and to make the most of your opportunities as they come. I'd, that real old school hardness and ex- high expectation, I think that's more debilitating than it is inspiring. That was Bucks this morning on SEN after appearing at Port Adelaide's BNF last night. Is fan expectation a millstone? Because Bucks used that word or used that phrase just then, and that's obviously what's emanating from Port Adelaide's BNF last night. The expectation is a millstone around their neck. And I'll read this text from Andrew in Northcote before I head back to your calls. Uh, Port are just a club of excuses. Now their history in the Sandville is a millstone around their neck. Give me a break. When the power entered the AFL, they purposely and publicly distanced themselves from Port Adelaide. And that is true. That is what the administration decided to do at the time, uh, stating they were a new standalone team and were not Port Adelaide. It was only when the tarps covered unused seats and the money counters at Port Adelaide decided they needed the Port Adelaide supporters to make money. And they backflipped and decided for financial reasons to align with Port Adelaide. You can't pick and choose your history. Port Power has no traditional ties to Port Adelaide. Andrew from Northcote. And they did do that, Port Adelaide. Their administration at the time tried to distance themselves from the Port Magpies. And they were happy, I think, if the Port Magpies died away. And it was just the Port Magpies evolving into the power. And the Port Magpies didn't exist in the sandfall anymore. Now, they have backflipped on it and tried to make it one club, but they still can't get their their look back at history right, Port Adelaide, if now best and fairest players are saying it's a millstone. Uh, g'day, Dwayne. I would love to keep Schultze. Fortunately, we can cover for him. Emmett debuted late in the year and showed he's got something really good. But, geez, I do love Schultze. We wish him well. Cheers, B. So, yeah, losing Lockie Schultz is a big loss. Uh, pick three and is an absolute joke for Ben McKay. has been a few of those come through. I've read a few of those. Dwayne, Ari, Frio. There are plenty of proven mature players in the Waffle that could walk into Frio and the West Coast, but neither club will give them a crack. Huge mistake. I think the West Coast gave a few a crack this year. Frio supporter, just bewildered. Um, so plenty of those coming through from Fremantle fans. A Henry will be covered. That's from Colin. I think he's going to be a bigger loss than that myself. But, hey, Fremantle fans probably know Fremantle better than me. Uh, Brad in Clifton Springs. Jack Ginevan on the agenda. Brad, welcome to you. G'day, Dwayne. How are you, mate? Good. Yeah, I reckon it's a bit average, all this all this gossip about Jack Ginevan. Like, he's just won a premiership. You know, the kid went to the races. Whoop-de-doo. You know, there was probably blokes at home drinking beer, but no one knew about. You know, give him a spell. I'm only going on what his coach said, and his coach said he didn't read the room, so if his coach didn't like it, and his coach is pretty good with most things, then um, maybe there was something in it when it comes to uh, his ability to read the room on a consistent basis. Brad in Hobart, welcome to you, Brad. Hey, Pipe, how are we? Good. That's the way, mate. Uh, just picking on the Bombers, mate, with the draftees they've picked up. I reckon they've done well, mate, with Toddy Goldstein, Ben McCoy, Xavier Dersmo, don't know about that with, um, it was going to be a swap with Brendan Zach Thurcher. Um, Thatcher, sorry. Um, yeah. Jake Dresser was in Kilda. I don't know about Dylan Shield. I think they've held on by that. I think he's, he's got a niggle injury again. Um, and being on it, 
um, with um, Tori Goldstein. It's going to be a good combination with Sammy, Sammy Draper, even though that Andrew Phillips has left the Bombers and gone to the Lauderdale Bombers in actual Tassie. Right. Um, with the actual combination with Sammy Draper and Toddy Goldstein, I mentioned some, um, Darcy Parrish picked up on it. Toddy Goldstein's a left-hand ruckman and um, uh, Sammy Draper's warning. And I think you'll find, Dwayne, I think he's the only left-hand ruckman in the AFL. Uh, didn't know that, Prad. I'll, well, he's on the program later on, Todd Goldstein, so I'll have a chat to him. But I, I'm with you on Essendon doing the right thing here. Collingwood were in the premiership window having just missed out on a grand final, beaten by the Swans at the SCG in a prelim final, and still added Frampton, Bobby Hill, Mitchell McStay. So they still added. So I like the fact that Essendon's adding and trying to keep the good players coming. So they're having a good pre-season so far at the moment, I think. And the Bombers announced yesterday that Dylan Shield has had surgery on his knee to repair torn meniscus, but will be staying at the club. So he's not going Anywhere. Daniel and Hillside, thanks for holding. Daniel, as we head back to your calls. Yeah, Dwayne, how are you going? Good. Um, I've just got two questions. I wanted to know how North Melbourne can receive pick three for losing Ben McKay. I want to know how they come to that conclusion, the AFL. Like, is there actual an actual ruling around that? Yeah, that's, it's the money... It's the money that he's being paid and the years that he gets as the trigger, essentially. And it's all, it's a bit to do with his age as well. So okay, the, also, that, okay, that's so the special herbs so, and spices. Okay, so was the same ruling around when Buddy Franklin um, went to Sydney? Slightly different, Daniel. It has evolved and, and that's where we're at right now. The, the evolution of the compensation, it's such that, you know, Ben McKay is going to get a lot more money than some people think he deserves at Essendon, but supply and demand means the money is the money, Daniel. Yeah, I just don't agree with it. How how, how the best play in the competition you can get, you can receive pick 19, and then yep. you've got Ben McKay and you receive pick 3. It just does not make sense. There, there's got to be a common sense rule, doesn't there? There does, but the situation, I mean, it depends on when you get your pick. End of the first round or... Um, straight after, or where where your pick is in the draft, in essence. So they don't get pick one. They get a pick where they are in the draft. And if you finish, um, you know, if, if you finish first, then, and you get a compensation pick, then the pick you get is going to be where your pick is. So you'll have picks 18 and 19, as opposed to picks two and three. So that's where it lines up. Hawthorne were premiers that year. So the pick lines up with their pick at the time. Uh, and North Melbourne had a horrible season, so they get a pick right alongside their pick that they already had. Um, so I appreciate your call, Daniel. Tom Morris is going to join us a bit later on in the program as well. He's been part of Trade Radio, so he'll, he'll have a chat to us about all that stuff. But that's that's the formula. There is a little bit of a secret herbs and spices around it, but is it's strange. But in this case, it's perfect for North Melbourne. Neil in Burwood, you there, Neil? Yeah, yeah Dwayne, good morning. Uh, I, I just ring in on, to compliment you on your on your comments about Port Adelaide. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody come up with an honest comment. They actually, well, they actually said exactly what you said. What they were going to disown Port Adelaide and yeah. not not do anything. Like Eddie gets blamed every year for uh, when they raise that they want the prison bars. And in actual fact, they said they would, didn't want that. And 
In actual fact, what you've said is true. They wanted to be completely autonomous, and they're not now, or they, now they don't want to be. That's right, Neil. Let's uh, hold the line. We've got something for you. Um, Signet Boost Power Bank coming your way. At the time, I wanted Port Adelaide to wear either a silver and white prison bar and have silver as their new colour because they couldn't wear black and white um, or have a teal and black or a teal and white prison bar. I wanted them to keep the prison bar and not go with the lightning bolt. I thought the prison bar was a nice way of coming into the AFL. They didn't want that. They wanted to, you know, become the, the club. And it's interesting to watch them try and go back now and fix what they... Well, the sandfall didn't help. The sandfall did not help at all at the time. But it seemed like a, a broken way of coming in. But that was the best way in their eyes, and the board is in positions to make those calls. A trade update for tyre power. Tire power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. It's day two of the trade period. You've got two options on SEN. You can listen to me, you can be part of Midday Matters, or you can jump on the trade radio. Tom Morris will be hosting trade radio from one to three today, and he's been good enough to jump on with me before he takes over at trade radio. We're all one happy family here at SEN. Tom, happy to pump your show up as well, even though I'm going head-to-head with you <laughs> at one. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? No doubt you'll be talking about the pick three compensation for Ben Mackay, and if you'd like to explain it... Um, so North Melbourne officially can match it, but they won't be matching it, will they? They're happy with pick three, aren't they? Afternoon, afternoon to you, Dwayne. No, they won't be matching it. So North will, uh, well, at the moment, have pick two, three, 15, and 21, plus two end of first rounders next year. Quite remarkable. So this pick three is compensation for Ben Mackay's departure to Essendon as a restricted free agent. As you just mentioned, the North haven't confirmed yet, but they will um, confirm in the next 24 to 48 hours that they'll let that go. And the reason it's pick three is because it's band one compensation. So the AFL determines uh, exactly how much a player is worth via a variety of factors. Um, one of those factors is the age of the player. So Ben Mackay is 25. He's got a long career ahead of him. Um, another factor is the average earnings. So it doesn't matter if he's got a seven-year deal or a three-year deal at uh, North Melbourne, if the av- whatever the average earning is. So we think it's about seven hundred and fifty or eight hundred thousand dollars a year. And the third factor relates to the cohort because if it's a cohort that has um, lots of highly paid players, then he might not be banned one. Um, but because um, the cohort stems from round one this year, before the CBA was uh, locked in. Uh, that means he's a band one compensation player. And uh, as a result, North Melbourne have been awarded a pick after their first selection in the draft. There's five bands, Dwayne. So there's the start of the first round. Oh, sorry. After your first pick in the first round, um, there's the end of the first round. There's the start of the second round, end of the second round, and start of the third round. So this is band one. And um, I think North will be pretty happy to take those picks to the draft or even package them up to try to get up to pick one where West Coast sit. And they now have a pretty handy... Uh, allotment of draft picks to try to do that. Yeah, because they already had to pick two. They get, get pick three. If they had pick eight, they would have got pick nine to go with it. Tom, Justin Lepich not going to the Dogs. It's a bit of a loss for the Dogs. Big win for Collingwood. I know you and Sammy Edmund have yeah. been talking about this a bit. Uh, this is a pretty big story to me. I'm not sure if it is to you. It, no, well, it is in terms of assistant coaching stories. Justin yeah. Lepich is highly rated. Um, he was an assistant at Richmond for three years, um, then, it, then he was head of strategy at Collingwood this year, and he's declined the Bulldogs' 
temptations, I guess, or overtures to try to get him across. Now, the dogs were all in on him. They really wanted him to be their sort of director of coaching or a really senior role um, under Luke Beveridge or within Luke Beveridge's footy department with Chris Grant. And uh, in the end, the Pies have come back, according to my colleague, Sammy, Sammy Edmund, and they've upped his role, which is a classic move. You know, he says he's keen mm. on going, to, or might be keen to go to the Dogs, and the Pies say, well, this is what we've got for you now. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he um, is, is set to take on a director of football performance-type position at the Pies, and uh, the Dogs will have to go back to the, the whiteboard and see who else they can get. Mm. But the options are running thin now. So, yeah, it's a big blow to the Dogs. They've got a couple of vacancies to fill. So Kaziski and Chol, how will those moves be made? Well, I can tell you what Hawthorne wants for both of them. So for Jacob Kaziski, who was offered a one-year deal on not a lot of money by Hawthorne and then requested a trade to Richmond, um, Hawthorne is looking for a pick, about pick 25. Now, Richmond's first pick at the moment is pick 28 in the draft. That's pushed back one spot um, after the events of today. Um, and... Uh, so Hawthorne are looking for that. Richmond would prefer to pay something less. You know that they think Jacob Kaczynski is around uh, pick forty or forty-five, uh, maybe a future pick as well. Um, so we'll have to see what how those two clubs come together. Whereas Hawthorne and Gold Coast are negotiating Marby Ochoa. Now Marby Ochoa is going to sign a four-year deal with a games trigger for a fifth year, and that games trigger is seventeen games in his fourth season to uh, trigger a fifth year, and uh, and the Gold Coast. Suns would like a future second round pick given the length of the deal. And at the moment, all that's happening behind the scenes is that uh, Hawthorne are offering a future third round pick. So they'll, cu- they'll come to an ar- arrangement in the end, but there's still a fair way to go between uh, well those three clubs, if you include Richmond as well. And uh, what else is on your agenda after one? So we're speaking to Josh Bruce, uh, former St Kilda, GWS and Western Bulldogs, I guess swingman. He played forward and back. So we've got him at 1.30 and uh, look forward to talking about him, about his career and his moves and also... Um, what's to come. And then we're speaking to player manager Tim Lawrence. Tim Lawrence is Lockie Neal's manager. Um, he also manages Tim O'Brien, Bradley Close, and a few other players as well. So looking forward to manning, uh, speaking to Tim. And Tim is one of the great talkers. So if we can get three or four questions in, it might be a 20-minute interview. He can certainly uh, talk the legs off anyone. He's absolutely fantastic. So looking forward to speaking to him. All right, good stuff. I'll steal a bit of your audio and I'll give you a little bit of what Todd Goldstein tells me Please do. after two. Great to have you, Tom. Good, Thanks, Dwayne. Good talking to you. Doing a great job on breakfast, by the way. I'm loving it. Thank you, Dwayne. I appreciate it. You're a good man. Tom Morris, thanks to Tyre Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local Tyre Power with the latest on trade moves on day two. Dano in South Yarra. Thanks for holding. Dano, welcome to you. Dwayne, great show today. Um, Thank you. I just, want to make a, I just want to make a point about what Buck said about Port Adelaide. I think it's been a bit harsh on them. Because at least, and particularly in the Ken Hinckley era, they've been competitive, they've been in the mix, they've made top fours, they've won a minor premiership, they've made prelims. Yeah, they haven't won a premiership, and I get that the fans are unhappy, but they're not the example of, of a team that's not been able to get out of this state league dominance mentality. That's Essendon and Carlton. And do you remember when John Warsfold was uh, on his way out and he said, basically a shot across all the Essendon administration board, all that, where he said, it's not the VFL anymore, you can't, you're not just entitled to success. And basically saying that Essendon have not been able to understand that it is not the VFL anymore and you can't just buy your way to success and you have to draft, you have to do all this sort of stuff and it's a whole culture about it. So I think it's been a bit harsh on, um, I think it's been a bit harsh on, on Port Adelaide when there's some Victorian teams. You know, Carlton have been irrelevant before this year for the last 20 years, really. 
and Essendon are the same. You know, what have, they're the teams that, if anything, have had success in a prior league be a millstone around them, and the fans just can't accept it. So I think, it's, I think Bucks is, uh, is right and is wrong. Good to have you called, Dano, and it is the evolution from the Sanford to the AFL as opposed to the evolution from the VFL to the AFL. I suppose at least the VFL was what the AFL once was, but you're right about some clubs coping with the transition better than others. Uh, hey, good call, and hold the line. You've got a Signet Boost power bank coming your way as well. Signet Boost power banks will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. Dave in Melton, your thoughts, Dave? G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, just two Good. quick things. The first thing is your fans and supporters are your biggest asset. And what Craig McRae did at Collingwood when we were in turmoil, it's been incredible. And now he's premiership coach, Craig McRae. I hope Bucks understands that. And the second thing is, if we pick up Schiltz from Port or from Fremantle, I don't know if you've watched him play, Dwayne. He's an absolute gun, that kid. He is, absolutely, and he's unselfish and he's an assist machine. So he's going to be a good pickup. Love both your points, Dave. Appreciate you jumping online. John in Podagasta, welcome to you, John. Hi, Dwayne. Yeah, yeah, I'm a poor man through and through. Yeah. I've, I, um, I've been following since about 76, 77. I can remember most of the players from 77 onwards with them brought back by. But I, whilst I enjoy the history of the club and all the rest of I realise that in the big league, in the national competition, you're not going to be top every year. You're not going to be playing off in grand finals every year. It'll be nice, but it's not like the old XRFL. This is a far tougher competition than the old XRFL. And whilst I love its history and I love talking about... I mean, Hayden Button Senior played for Port Adelaide, for goodness sake. Bob Quinn, these legends, Harold Oliver, the list goes on. Sean Hosking, way back. But it's, it's, it's the AFL now, so you're not going to, you've got to draft the subject. You're not going to spend every year dominating the competition like the old XRFL. Thanks, Wayne. Good on you, John. I think the expectation is, though, that you should win one flag every 18 years in the AFL in a perfect world. In fact, in a perfect world, you should probably win two in every 18 years if you think your club's better than everybody else because there'll be some clubs that don't win any in 30 years. So... Uh, at least one in 18 years, I reckon, should be a fair expectation. And some fans, I reckon, are, I think it's within their rights to start thumping the table if you don't win one every 18 years. And sounds like Porter thumping hard now. Always great to have your company for Dwayne Todd, Dwayne Todd for Kangan Institute. Unleash you a Kangan Institute in role now. And it is midday madness for Wordlocker, Karen Downs and Packenham. Unlocked, stocked and full of value. Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, jump on that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, 1300 736 736. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. A couple of texts that have come through. Um, could Collingwood go back to back with Tom Hawkins? Craig McRae will slot him in easily. That's from Dean. I don't think Tom Hawkins is going anywhere. I, don't, I think Kane Corns is absolutely spot on with what he said earlier today about, and I'll play a little bit of Kane Corns later, but I don't think Tom Hawkins is going any, anywhere. He lives, you know, he lives in the country. He's got a farm. He's living, what, 15-odd minutes from the ring road right now, driving to Melbourne. It can be a two-hour nightmare these days. Uh, when roadworks are finished, it might be a lot better in a year's time. But if he's driving up and back to Melbourne five days a week next year to go and play for Collingwood or play for, oh, I don't know who. Um, it's got to be a complete change of lifestyle. He's about to break the all-time games record at Geelong. And his father and his grandfather and his uncles played for the club. I don't think he's going anywhere. But uh, it's 
It's interesting talk. Final one here. Hi, Dwayne. I'm worried about Tomahawk. Does he stay a cat? That's from Angela. Angela, I think he stays a cat. Another another one here. Come on, Dwayne. All this Tom Hawkins talk is just made up to fill time in on Trade Radio. Brent from Geelong. Well, he hasn't signed yet, so I think there is a little bit of uh, fire where that smoke's coming from. Back to your calls, though, and I'll read a heap of your texts out as well very shortly. And I'll play you what Tom Mitchell had to say on his podcast as well, which ruffled a few feathers earlier today. Um, Eric in Doncaster, welcome to you, Eric. Great to have you on. Hi, Dwayne. Um, just a few thoughts on the um, if the AFL serious about equalising the competition. What if they follow um, their, their rugby's uh, rules, right? Now, when Melbourne Storm cheated the salary cap, they got they got their premierships taken off them. Yep. Why don't Essendon and Carlton do that if they're, if they're serious about equalising the competition? They'll stop the cheating and they'll stop everything else. Well, they didn't cheat, though, Eric. Well, I suppose Carlton was penalised, but it's a long, long time ago now. Um, and they didn't have a flag to be taken off them. And, yeah, I'm not sure where you're going with that one, Eric. Uh, it's a long bow to draw. Chris in Wool Bay, welcome to you, Chris. I think this is the first time I've heard... Have your call on the program. I don't know where Wool Bay is, but it's great to have you. Wool Bay is over on your peninsula, Dwayne. Oh, nice. Beautiful part of the yeah, world. It is, it, it is nice, nice. Yeah, look, um, I just wanted to have a a point to make about the Port Adelaide disconnect, you know, between the Magpies and the Power when they first come in. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was to do with uh, the fact that the Port players couldn't play for the Magpies, so they were all scattered through the SANFL, and the same with the Crows, and um, Port felt like they didn't have a, a control over how they wanted the game plan and stuff, and it, it, it's when they were allowed to have a reserve, well, an SANFL team with their own players, and the Adelaide got formed in the uh, SANFL. So that that's my point. Is how do they fix it now, though, Chris? I mean, there was a disconnect early. How do they fix it now? Do they do they try and cosy up even closer to the Magpies? Do they distance themselves completely now and and you know claim to be a different club like they thought about being when they first came in? No, they got to embrace it and, and grow on it. You know, this is part of culture. It's a club. So Not why did they try and divorce that. themselves from it early? Was that just a bad move? I think they were just a victim of circumstance. Um, yeah. They couldn't control where their players were playing. And yeah. The Crows had the same, you know, if you're going to if you're gonna play for the power, you might as well be playing for their Magpie teams, you know. Like, hmm. Anyway, um, my point about Ken that I'd like to make yep. is uh, all the supporters that have got, they don't hate him. They, they're just fed up with some of his... Uh, team selections and it's been going on for years you know he, he carries players and stuff like that and the proof's in the winning isn't it Chris if you win a flag then you can justify it if you're blues and who do you think they've carried Chris to their detriment uh, well this year the second half of the season the young Francis Evans has top scored twice for us hmm. and uh we had a player there, McEntee, they were sort of vying for the same position. And um, Evans was always going to get dropped, even when he top scored twice. 
Hmm. A lot of people thought that he should... McIntyre had four goals in 13 games, last 13 games. So he, he wasn't scoring goals. And that's what we needed in the finals. They thought it should have gone on form and not, you know, it's just one of Ken's, Ken's things. And people are frustrated. That's why they're frustrated about his selection over the years. Anyway, that's my point. Yeah. Cheers. No, great to have you call. Chris and I just had a text. I know where Wall Bay is, just near Kabawi. I had a... Went to Kabawi for a few holidays. The tide, when the tide goes out, Chris, it's about a 1K walk to get to get wet. Uh, it, it's uh, good for crabs and squid, though. How the how the blue swimmers going? Uh, they've been raging this year, mate. Absolutely <laughs> going off. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, great to hear you call, and um, there's nothing better than a nice day walking out there with the rake. Uh, great to have you call, Chris. Leon and Bernie, you there, Leon? Here we go. To support. Yeah, how you doing, Leon? Yeah, good, Wayne. Uh, former AFL accredited umpire out of Northwest Tassie, now yep. umpiring in the country for a little town called Yola. Yep. Scrapping in the old country. Now, listen, Dane. I I just like to suggest the deliberate out of bounds rule. It's so easy. Just give it a free kick. To the opposition, like all other codes, soccer, hockey, basketball, it's just so easy. It'd take the pressure off the umpires and it'd stop the crowd from getting upset. I bet you you wouldn't see people hitting for the boundary line if it was a deliberate out-of-bounds free kick, as long as there's no scoring. No scoring within the 50-metre arc. It's just so simple, Pipe. Yeah, trouble is it takes away some of the ruck craft. If you don't have as many throw-ins, then ruckman might become more obsolete than ever, Leon. But I, it's great to have someone who's in a former accredited umpire weighing into it because nothing better than someone with the knowledge base of you. And uh, it's nice to, well, hopefully, we might talk about tomorrow. Some of the things that are on the umpire's agenda when they get together this week, we need to talk about sometime this week. Eric in Ringwood, welcome to you, Eric. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Look, I want this theory of dropping this AFL premierships versus VFL premierships. If you're going to tell us about your premierships, it's the AFL. How many premierships have you won while in the AFL? That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear you won 16 VFL premierships or 20 VFL or 36 uh, SANFL premierships. It's how many AFL premierships. That's it. It's one competition now. So we don't talk about VFL premierships ever again. It's a, we actually draw a line on history. Well, no, that can be still part of your history, but don't make it seem like, oh, yeah, we've just built on our VFL premiership. You've, you've just won an AFL premiership. That's since the start of the competition, every team that's in the AFL, you could only have one or two AFL premierships, so you're pretty equal to everyone else. But because you want to brag up your 16, well, yep. it's VFL premierships, not AFL. So when St Kilda win their first flag next year, they will become a one-time premiership team. Is that the way you want it? Well, yeah, that's right, because Collingwood, how many how many AFL premierships have Collingwood won? They've won yep. two or three or whatever? Yeah, I appreciate your call, Eric. It, I, I'm trying to work out. I did work with Jared Healy doing talk back on AW for 16-odd years, and I also worked with Jared on Channel 9 for a long, long period of time before we ended up both at Fox. I reckon Jared called for this quite a few years ago, actually drawing a line and just making it AFL history going forward. It is a bit tricky because... Then how do you talk about players' games and guys like Jared and I, who played both in the VFL and the AFL era, do only the AFL era games count next to my record, that kind of stuff. So, 
Yeah, but there is that thought that maybe we should just call it the AFL and and all um, competitions prior to that. Um, don't count on your record when it comes to premierships. Appreciate your call on that. Robert in Wagga Wagga, you got a thought on this. Welcome to you, Robert, that sparked the call. Welcome. Yeah, Dwayne, I love your call, mate. You've been listening for years. You're, uh, you're highly accredited, in my opinion. Thank you. Just, I'm a mad Carlton supporter, 70 years of age, and just love the game. Get a little offended when they talk about people that uh, uh, talk about we should never count the VFL and the AFL. I understand there's a huge transition from the VFL to the AFL in the in the fact of being a national competition, but goodness me, like yourself, having played in the VFL, um, how hard it is to win them even back then as to what it is today, um, to not to call them and, and, and count them, uh, as you said, just then with the previous caller, yep. the games and so on, and that, it's just, I think it's ludicrous. I mean, and, and, and full credit to the, the likes of Port Adelaide and a lot of clubs from Western Australia that have been foundation clubs in their leagues that have won so many, but they wanted to join the VFL-AFL um, mm. because it was a stronger competition at the time. So it, it, it's disappointing to say call one and not call the other, but being a provocial Victorian now living in... Uh, rural New South Wales that uh, uh, I just love the game of AFL, whether it's BFL or AFL. Um, let's count them all and uh, move on. We're, we're one big happy family. Um, and, and look, the, the poor buggers from um, Port Adelaide and not being able to call themselves the Magpies and all that sort of stuff, mm. that's another thing. But uh, look, let's move on. It's the greatest game in the world and I just thoroughly enjoy it. And I, as I said to you, you're a good caller, Dwayne. Love listening to you, mate. Thanks a lot for the love, Robert. Uh, great to have you as a first time, and uh, keep on calling. Nathan in Gisborne, welcome to you, Nathan. How are we going, mate? Um, good. With this whole VFL, AFL premiership thing, um, I'm a 91-born bloke kind of thing, so I don't really know too much or haven't seen a lot of footy from back past before that. But I guess it's... I know, like, I'm a Dillon supporter, so we've won and lost, all that kind of stuff. You're, not, you're never going to, as that previous caller two before said, you're not going to lose your VFL history. Um, but it's the next phase, I guess, that probably needs to be more uh, rounded out as such. Because you've got these newer clubs come in, all this kind of stuff, um, it's expanded. I think you still have your VFL, your VFL history. Port Adelaide still have their Sandful history, all that kind of stuff. But as the AFL is term, it's a, it's a governing body. It's a bigger body. So I think there's a way that they could get around with um, going, right, I, as an AFL team, so many premierships, but in past histories, it's still there. It's not to be deleted altogether. Because mm. um, otherwise, like as look, as clubs to look at, Essendon, they've won in 2000 and 93. They've got two. Carlton, 95. Uh, you, I know I've got a lot of mates that are Carlton and Essendon supporters. They go, oh, no, we've won 16 premierships. Yep, that's cool. But I think the... You're never going to lose your history, but I think it needs to become more sanctioned and focused on one area. Like, the AFL is the AFL now. Mm. So, I don't know, it's hard to do because, obviously, players like yourself and all that kind of stuff that played in the transition between the two, um, it's hard to judge. But I think there needs to be some sort of separation, not a deletion, but just a separation of the two as such. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It makes a lot of sense, Nathan. It's a debate worth having, and I'm... I'm enjoying having it because I don't actually know where I stand on it. It's not black and white to me either. There's pluses and minuses for both arguments. Hey, Ashley and the chicken before the break, uh, you've been holding for a while. 
Ashley, thanks for holding. Yeah, Dwayne, thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate uh, getting this on. Yeah, just in regards to some of these um, uh, AFL players talking about the current premiership teams um, and you know, talking about them being a better side and they should have won it, and et cetera, et cetera. And even Wayne Carey mentioned it on his podcast um, mm. just, just recently about North Melbourne um, should have beaten, beaten Adelaide. Um, what, what, what they don't realise, or what they probably are starting to realise, and it's coming to my attention now, it's, it doesn't matter if you have a team of fully uh, of Dusty Martins um, across you know, your forward back line and mid. It doesn't matter if you're the best team in the competition. You've got to have a great high performance and medical staff. You're going to have great cultures, a great management of players. All of that is mattering more than ever before to win a premiership. Mm. So, um, so maybe, you know, not just the players, the supporters, we could sit back and watch a Hawthorne beat Collingwood in round 20 or whatever it was, and, and that's great. They may have a great team on that day, but there's 24 rounds or 23 rounds, depending on what year it is, that you've got to actually perform for, and, and there's a lot of outside factors that make that happen, not just the players on the field. Appreciate your call, Ashley. Quite a few weighing in on this debate about whether we should split the competitions and have it AFL, not include VFL history. Phil in Clyde North, Bads in Coburg, Matt in Kilside. We'll put his Twitter pile up as well on the Dwayne's World Twitter feed. Should we differentiate VFL and AFL premierships? Because this has struck a nerve, and that's the beauty of midday matters. You call, you get on, you get to twist or take the conversation in whatever direction you like, and we've got a heap of calls on this and a heap of texts coming through, so, hey, let's jump to that rather than what I'd like to talk about, or this is what I'd like to talk about. There are a few other things on my agenda that I was going to get to, but, hey, you've got the... I wanted to talk about a couple of other things in in outside of footy, but I do love talking footy as a preference, so let's talk more. The Dog Lovers Festival bounds back to Jeff Shedd this weekend. Fetch tickets at dogloversfestival.com today, you. A midday madness wildfire has started after a caller earlier saying split the competitions, make it the AFL only. Recognise that the AFL evolved from the VFL, but split the records now going forward from, what was it, third, well, one here, not hard. It's 33 years of the AFL now. How long do you need? So it's an interesting one. G'day, Dwayne. How can the AFL keep the VFL as the one when they don't recognise Brisbane Bears and the Brisbane Lions players as one-team players? Doesn't sound right to me. Mal, you're right. The AFL itself is conflicted in this, um, and it is bizarre that they don't count as one club. Uh, Need to respect that the AFL is an extension of the VFL. So the Twitter poll is up off the back of our previous caller. Should we differentiate VFL and AFL premierships? Yes or no? Over 250 votes so far. And yes, split them, running at 54%. No, keep it as it is, 41%. So 54% saying split them. Baz and Coburg, welcome to you, Baz. You can weigh in. Hey, good day, Dwayne. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, 54%. That'll be Collingwood supporters because they've won three AFL flags. You count that. Right. But um, in saying that, mate, I, I reckon history is history, mate. Leave it alone. Leave it as is. Mate, you're going to wipe off a lot of history that was, you know, teams that won the premiership back in the 80s, whatever. That's, and you wipe them off, basically. So I don't Well, you still... They, wipe, they, they count, but we're only saying AFL premierships in the AFL era when we talk about premierships. But, yeah, it's in it. we've got a full board on this, so I'll race through as many as possible. Phil and Clyde North, welcome to you, Phil. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. I reckon there's, there's only one argument you really should need for that, and that's the fact that it is the same competition that changed its name. Like, it's been, it's been the same competition throughout. 
and mm. and the reason the reason the Brisbane Bears and Brisbane Lions aren't counted together, and one of your blokes from the AFL record explained it uh, a couple of weeks. I think it was on Grand Final week, is that the the Brisbane Bears and the Fitzroy Lions actually played against each other yeah. for six years or whatever it was, so or a little bit more maybe, but. They played against each other, so they, they had a discussion about it, but they thought, well, what do you do with all those games and that? It doesn't make sense for the same club to be playing against each other. So that was that. But it's, it's essentially the same competition that changed its name. So that's, to me, the only argument you need. Great to have you, cool. Uh, a lot of text coming through on it. Rewriting history is ludicrous. These people that want it just want to put Carlton Collingwood and Essendon down. So there's a bit of that as to who you barrack for, according to the text. Dwayne, the first season of the AFL was 1990 with the same teams, Oval's coaches, as 1989. The only thing that changed was the letterheads of Fearful House, Ben in Adelaide, and that was pretty much all that changed. And the logo on the jumpers we wore. Uh, hi, Dwayne. Um, oh, I could read out a 100 of these. Um, further to the text, uh, we refer to Port Adelaide's premiers prior to the AFL. Why is it only VFL clubs that get recognised? Cheers, Matthew, well, it was the VFL that evolved into the AFL. That's why the, only the VFL flags get put amongst them. But we have got the Twitter poll up, including the Sandful and the Waffle. So the three options on the Twitter poll are, yes, split the competitions, 54%. No, keep it as is, 41%. And the third option is count the Sandful and the Waffle as well. And that's running at 5%. So most people not wanting to count the Waffle and the Sandful. Matt and Kilside, you there, Matt? Thanks for holding. Yeah, mate. I was just going to say, even on the coverage of the grand final day, they showed up on the screen that Brisbane Lions had only won three premierships to Collingwood's 15. So even the AFL had acknowledged that the, the, the Fitzroy supporters, their premierships weren't even included. Yeah, I noticed that too, Matt, and I was surprised by it. Was that just the, the Channel 7 graphics people doing that, or do you think that was the AFL's official numbers? Well, I'm not sure, but that's all I noticed it, and then even a mate of mine commented with me, and we yeah. both said, how would, the Fitz, how would Fitzroy Lions supporters feel seeing that when supposedly their team is about to run out and try and win another premiership? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I noticed that, and it stuck in my mind as well. Is that right? And is that just Channel 7 doing that or is it the AFL doing that? I presumed at the time it was just Channel 7 not including the Fitzroy flags. But great call, Matt. Alan on the road, you there, Alan? Yeah, I'd just like to sort of give a bit of a comparison. It's, you know, it's the same competition as far as I'm concerned. That you got a comp like the Diamond Valley League, what it used to be called. Then it went to the Northern Football League. And now with uh, equal... Male, female, it's the Northern Football Netball League. Right. It's all, the same, it's all the same competition. I'm sure they've done all over Victoria, especially. The, uh, the Netball League has sort of come into into especially the country leagues or the, the more country mm. leagues, even though Northern Football League is not country. Great to have you call, Alan. Dean and Clyde, your thoughts? I uh, just want to elaborate, elaborate Dwayne, if we were to take it a step further with players that only played VFL that made it to the Hall of Fame or were considered legends, do we remove them as well into a separate category as well? And your thoughts? No, I don't think you remove them into a separate category, but there are a couple of texts coming through about how, to, how do we look at player records. And 
I mean, let's use Dermot Brereton, for example. We, we call Dermot a five-time, five-time, five-time day, five-time night premier. Um, and we, he would stay the same. But if you wanted to call it VFL, AFL, he would become a four-time VFL, one-time AFL premiership winner and a three-time night and two-time, three-time night VFL premiership winner and two-time night AFL premiership winner. So... Uh, It'd still be a five-time, five-time, but you'd have to divide them up. Exactly, which is, I think, just ludicrous in terms of denigrating certain players and the history and the impact that they've had as a whole, which, like, leave it as is. We understand the history of it. It's just the times, and you've got to just pay respect to it, and we honour their contributions, and we just move forward, and we understand the arguments. But it's a, you have to go... If you change one, you have to change a whole heap of others as well, and it just becomes... Quite silly in the long run. Good call, Dean. Jeff and Adelaide, your thoughts? Uh, I think Dwayne, you're there, I'll Jeff. Just a, I'll just list off a few things. You played for Port and Geelong, so you know partly what's going on here. Craig Badley's playing record cannot be taken in, but it should be because his Sandful games and his VFL games... Uh, the reality of it is we all know that the AFL was created because the VFL was broke and they needed to bring other teams in. That's forgotten on people in Victoria. The Sandful and the Waffle has had to fight against the VFL checkbook. Being able to have teams from these states in the AFL has changed the landscape. In my opinion, Changing it so that we differentiate the change actually respects the history of all three founding states and possibly it helps Tasmania as well. Good to get an Adelaide view on it, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It's nice to get a rounded view on it, see how everybody... That's the beauty of having a national show, I suppose. There's a lot of Victorian text coming through. This is all a load of rubbish. But when you look at the Twitter poll, and we are a national program now, the Twitter poll is running at 57% to split the vote. And there's over 400 votes split the the differentiation between VFL and AFL premierships. So 57% saying yes, let's split them. Uh, 37% saying no, keep it as is. And 6% saying count the sandful and the waffle. So it's good to get a national perspective. Cameron in Melbourne, welcome to you, Cameron. G'day, Dwayne. I um, just wanted to bring up, um, back in the year, VFL was around, VFL was their comp- VFA was their competition. Um North Melbourne, obviously, the VFL had more money. They placed clubs from the VFA, dragged them over the VFL, made the competition what it was. Um, North Melbourne, I think, Footscray Hawthorne all joined in 1935. Yeah. So if the Sample and the Waffle players, again, all the teams are going to get their premierships, maybe North should get the 17 they won before 1935 in the VFA. Well, Geelong's Geelong's been trying to get their VFA premierships included for years now, Cameron. Well... I'm happy with that. We'll go straight to the top. <laughs> Good on you, Cameron. Geelong is pushing hard for it. Colin Carter's been pushing hard for this for over a decade to have Geelong's VFA premierships included. Oh, it's great to have your company for Dwayne's went out for Midday Madness. You never know what direction it's going to go in. One thing we haven't talked about today is Tom Mitchell's podcast, so the Ball Magnets podcast. And I'll play a couple of bits of Tom Mitchell's podcast if you haven't heard them from earlier today. On SEN. To me, Tom Mitchell's move from Hawthorne to Collingwood has been a win, win, win. It's been a win for Tom Mitchell. He's now a premiership player with Collingwood. I think it's been a win for Hawthorne as well because they got more midfield time into 
a lot of their young guns. And to be honest, I think that Sam Mitchell is about winning a flag in 2025 as opposed to trying to win as many games as possible, even to the detriment of the development of his team last year. But here's Tom Mitchell on when he knew his time was up at Hawthorne and the reason why he felt like he needed to move on. And your thoughts on this, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, because the feedback that he got from Sam Mitchell sounded like it was fairly direct and in front of the whole team, here's Tom Mitchell. I wanted to stay at Hawthorne the rest of my career. I was content, happy, but you know, certain things happened. I knew they wanted me out. Some funny things happened. Um, I remember we, we do like, you do like the coaches do like a game rating system out of five at Hawthorne, which they put on the walls for everyone to see after a game. And round one, two, I think round one we played North. I was the only player on the team to get rated a one out of five. <laughs> round two, we had a 60-point win against Port Adelaide away. Great team win. I was the only player that got rated a two out of five or less. I only played on the whole team. The funniest thing about both those games is I think I got Brownlow votes in both games. So I played pretty well. Um, but they, there were some signs there. I'm like, this is something's going on here. This is weird. You know, there was this one particular meeting I, rem- I remember, and I don't want to come across as... I'm complaining. This is more just how I was feeling and how I felt I was being made to feel. There was a meeting in particular, a game review, and, you know, I chat with Dylan Moore, Finn McGuinness, Will Day, these guys who were some of my good mates still. <laughs> we call it the Tom Mitchell game review where that was the sign sealed delivered. I knew after that meeting I'm, I'm not coming back here next year. Whatever happens, I'm not coming to Hawthorne. There was a game review where there was something like five or so clips of just me, and there was a few that were fair. Like there was one passage of play where as a midfielder we wanted to stay on the defensive side of the stoppage at forward 50 and I got caught on the other side I made a mistake little things like that but I got barreled this meeting all five clips that was the meeting done and I walked out of that thinking are you serious like this is this is um unprofessional unfair from that point onward I, I was just I'm not coming back here Tom Mitchell your thoughts on that unprofessional and unfair Tom, called the Tom Mitchell Game Review. Five clips of just him in front of his teammates. Fairly big statement from him given, well, I mean, everyone that has a podcast doesn't have a podcast unless you want people to listen to it and you can't get listeners without publicity and good content. This is great content, so it's going to get a lot of people listening to the Ball Magnus podcast, but unprofessional, unfair, and the Tom Mitchell Game Review. Five clips of just him in front of his teammates. The reason why I think it's a win-win, well, it's obviously a win for Tom Mitchell, he's now a premiership player, is because he also talked about how many centre bounce attendances he had. And he was limited. And he wasn't happy about the fact that he was limited. Here's Tom Mitchell on that. In games, like you know when you come to the bench and you get on the phone to the coaches, it happens quite often. And they say, what are you seeing in the game? You talk about, well, I'm seeing this, they're seeing this. And you try and dissect and like, I'm going to go out there and we're going to go out there and we'll try and fix this at the stoppages and what can we do? And I remember by the end, I was coming to the bench and it was it was all about how many centre bounce attendances I was at and how yeah. many I was allowed to go to. So it was almost like a structured thing. Like I'm only allowed to go to, I think it was the number was eight or ten for the game. So I'd come to the bench and it would be get on the phone or one of the coaches would be like, hey, mate, um, you've had five centre bounces, make sure you're not in there. So by the end of the time at Hawthorne, I'm thinking, I'm not even thinking about how to get better or help the team get better at footy. I'm thinking about how to get away from the game and the ball just goes against completely everything I've ever done. And it was just weird. So Tom didn't like it. I presume, I mean, this reflects okay on Sam Mitchell to me because I presume Sam Mitchell wanted to get centre bounce um, experience into Will Day and 
more into John Newcomb and more into Connor Nash, who all finished top three in the best and fairest, by the way. So it was designed to get centre bounce experience into younger players and not have Tom Mitchell take all the centre bounces. That's the way I think it probably unfolded. I mean, it probably preferred to have Dylan Moore in there and James Warple in there, Sam Mitchell, because it's all about, to me, who's going to be in the Premiership team in 2025 for Hawthorne. Your thoughts on that, if you're a Hawthorne fan, Tom Mitchell's revelations on the Ball Magnet podcast. Jason and Doreen, your thoughts on Tom Mitchell's podcast comments? Hey, hey Dwayne, how are you, mate? Good. Yeah, just, um, I'm, well, obviously a Collingwood supporter, unlike a Hawthorne supporter, but um, I don't think um, Tom Mitchell has anything but sort of to, any option to tell the truth. I mean, he's come out of a, the trade with a, a win-win. I mean, he's, he's now a premiership player. He's got, I don't think he should have any, anything against Hawthorne because they've done him a great service. At Collingwood this year, he's been nothing but a revelation and I think extremely unlucky not to also have a Norm Smith medal hanging around his neck. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a win-win, as I said off the top. I think it's a win-win-win. I think it's a win for... Tom Mitchell is now a premiership star. I think it's a win for Hawthorne that they've got games into a heap of their younger guys, especially getting games as midfield, centre square starting four players. For bounces, uh, that experience is invaluable. And I think it's a win for Tom Mitchell's podcast right now. Shane in North Fitzroy, are you there, Shane? G'day, boss. Um, look, before I make a few points about Tom Mitchell, can I just make a comment on um, the compensation bit? Uh, that that is an embarrassing disgrace by the AFL, and they should be revisiting that. Um, to give a victory for a bloke who's played sixty odd games in five years and getting massively overpaid at Essendon, it's um, it's a real flaw of the system and needs to be looked at. It's embarrassing. Anyway, Tom Mitchell. Now, three things about Tom Mitchell: the Swans didn't want him, Hawthorne did without him, and Collingwood dropped him this year. Now, if it, if it walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, and smells like a duck, it's normally a duck. Now, I understand Mitchell, I mean, he, he, he was, and as a Hawthorne supporter, every time you watch Tom Mitchell, you were frustrated because he would always go backwards and he was always handball. He didn't really have a lot of metres hit. And look, whilst I wish him all the best and he won a Brownlow and good luck to him, and, and I'm glad that he's doing well at Collingwood, I was not unhappy at all that he left Hawthorne. And, uh, and, you know, for him to come out and say that, I mean, he's going to get rid of that um, uh, meetings by the best midfielder, arguably, there ever was in Robert Harvey. Um, he sounds like a bit of a slip to me, and, um, and I'm glad he's gone. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, Tom Mitchell. Ray on the road, you there, Ray? G'day, mate. How you going? Good. Good. Just wanted to pick your brain, because speaking about Tom Mitchell, I got in the back of my mind that Luke Ball was a Brownlow medalist at St Kilda, and two or three years later, they turfed him out. He joined Collingwood, and the year he joined Collingwood, we won the flag, and I'm wondering if history's just repeated itself. It may have, Ray. Um, it's a win-win. It was a win for Luke Ball, and this is a win for Tom Mitchell. I mean, he's got the Premiership medallion, and I think he's got a right on his own podcast to tell his truth. Phil in Rayville, are you there, Phil? Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Just to bit on Tom Mitchell... Um, it's typical when players leave and so forth. Um, but the thing that I'd say is he spoke about the way he felt, the way he did this, the way he did that. Why not ask the question back to the coaches of why, why, why? And then you'll have an understanding instead of just saying it was unprofessional and so forth. 
it was just a matter of they did it the way they wanted. If you don't like it, ask the question. Phil, great to have you call. Nathan Buckley was asked his thoughts on it earlier today on SEN. So here's what Nathan Buckley said. He believes that the days of actually giving a public or an all-team address that is harsh to a player might be a thing of the past now. If you want to be harsh on a player's performance, you do it one-on-one because the world's changed. Here's Nathan Buckley on that from SEN earlier today. I would say, in my experience, that that was the first half of my coaching okay. where I thought you were doing everyone a favour by showing, and the individual himself, you're doing everyone a favour by showing the difference between when it was done and when it was not and what the damage that not doing it was, mm. you know, what the effect was. Mm. But the net impact, as pos- it, you know, the, the, the possible positives that come from that were far overwhelmed by the net negative, and that is on confidence, on relationship, on positivity, yep. on going for. And even if it's even if he's a mate of yours, like he, as um, Tom was saying, I say Finn McGuinness, we call it the Tom Mitchell meeting. Yeah. So it's obviously been a conversation that's taken place with three, four, or five other players. Geez, that was not that was not right. That was not accurate. That was not fair. So now it's not just the coaching group and one player. It's another five or six of them that have got care and support for their mate. Mm that doesn't believe that the message that was that came across was done appropriately or accurately. Mm. So you've got to weigh that up. But yes, there is room for it, but mostly it's it's a it's a man to man conversation. And if you can't respond to that, you're not going to respond to public you know public humiliation's yeah. not no. the answer. Not the answer. Public humiliation, not the answer. It's a man-to-man thing now. Uh, a couple of clarifications off the text that are coming in. Rapid fire. Luke Ball never won a Brownlow. And another one here. Mitchell didn't get dropped. He was made sub once. Rapid fire. Midday man. It's time for OMF. Australian owned and designed the OMF. Big, big spring sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. Mark of the Limestone Coast. Welcome, Mark. Yeah, cheers, mate. Ben Mackay. Disposals. Average. Kicks. Average. Handballs above average, tackles below average. He's going at pick three. I'll assume that Jade Gresham, whose elite disposals, elite kicks, elite handballs, above averages marks, above average tackles, will be getting pick one. Would that be right? Uh, your, your, points, one, won't they? your point's been well made, Mark, and it's been made by others off the text as well. Uh, the overpaying of money by Essendon for Ben Mackay has tilted it slightly in North's favour, and there's not much you can do about it. Uh, by the way, St Kilda finished higher on the ladder, so they wouldn't get picked one anyway, but you're right. Okay, there's a bit too much coming North's way for Ben Mackay. Damien in Croydon North. Welcome to you, Damien. G'day, Dwayne. Um, a couple of things. First thing, I'm a, I'm a Collingwood member, so the first thing on Tom Mitchell, this narrative around Tom Mitchell being dropped by with Collingwood this year, Tom Mitchell didn't play any VFL this year. He was never dropped. He was the sub in two games. And all that is list management and managing minute, minutes and his workload. So Tom Mitchell was never dropped. So let's just put that, let's just clear that up. The second thing, this debate about premierships in VFL, AFL, you can't cherry pick what records you want to acknowledge and what you don't want to acknowledge. All the other records we have in VFL, the players we're putting to Hall of Fame, games won, games lost, goals, everything, all those records add up to premierships won by teams. Points well made, Damien. I think we've. Uh, I think you ran out of time. We hit the dump button on you because uh, you took your full minute. Michael in Preston, David on the road, uh, Chris and Ballarat. I'll try to get to you all, Michael. 
mean, look, I just want to comment on Tom. If you listen to the entire podcast, he actually praises Hawthorne and says he loves them. So I don't think he's dumping on anyone. He's just expressing an opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Win, win, win. As I said off the top, it's a win for Tom Mitchell. And he did say that off the front of the grab that we played. David on the road, you there, David? Oh, thanks, Dwayne. Um, Tom Mitchell's a great player. Good on him. His dad was a fantastic player too. But please, he didn't leave the Swans um, except for a lot of money from Hawthorne. Great to have you called, David. Really appreciate it. We've run out of time. Midday Madness Rapid Fire. A trade update for tyre power. power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Always great to have your company for Dwayne Todd. Dwayne Todd for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Todd Goldstein has always been fantastic to this program. He's moved clubs after, well, he was with us on August 25th. And he had a chat to us. And he did mention that he'd love to play on for North Melbourne in 2024. But if he had to move, he'd have to move. Todd's about to join us for a chat for the first time as an Essendon player. But here's Todd as a North Melbourne player on August 25. It takes a fair toll on, on your family, so I want to make sure that we're all committed for me to do this for another 12 months. Um, but you know, the way the body's feeling, the way the mind's feeling is, I think it, it's heading towards looking to play next year. Which is great, uh, and I presume you'd rather do that at North than elsewhere, even though you'd listen to elsewhere if North didn't want you? Yeah, I, I think for, for me, and if, if playing on is the, the best situation for my family, then yeah, I'll, I'll play wherever I can play. Todd Goldstein, back on August 25. A lot of texts are coming through. Dwayne, thank you, Goldie, for your service. Best of luck at Essendon. There's a lot of that sentiment coming through from North Melbourne fans. They wish him the best, and he's been good enough to join us. Thanks to Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of WaterSmart Instant Norm that you can lay all year round. Todd, welcome back to the program. Good Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. And congratulations on your move. How excited are you? Yeah, very much so. It's um, yeah, it's obviously a, a fair bit of trepidation going to a new club after after 17 years. But you know, I'm definitely excited for for the adventure and excited about what what we can do. Before we close the North Melbourne chapter, did they offer you a contract? What was the talk before you left? Uh yeah, they they did offer me one. Um, but I think you know, I, I think it was you know, I had some good chats to even after I think in my mind made up the decision and I had a chat to some people at the north. I think. It became pretty clear that you know it was the best thing for both parties for for us to go our separate ways. I didn't really want to sit in the VFL and and hope for an injury to Tristan. My and Tristan's relationship was was too good like for me to be comfortable with that scenario. So, you know, I think with with Clarko mainly wanting to play one ruck, um, this was the the best opportunity for me to to further my career and also further my development. So, is this the moment where honesty has proven to be the winner here because Clarko? Gave you the honesty, and now you can go to Essendon, who I presume are telling you that you could be the number one ruck if things go to plan for you. Yeah, look, I, I think I'm, I couldn't have been happy with how it was handled from a North point of view, and you know the, the way I was able to leave. I think it, it ended on really good terms, so which is which was the ideal situation for all of us. And yeah, I think there's obviously going to be a, a fair competition for spots at, at Essendon, and I think you know me, Nick, and Sam are all. All have, have going to have a fair say in, in who gets to be number one and, and who gets to play. Brad's pretty committed to, to playing two rucks, which helps. Um, but I'm also really looking forward to, to helping the development of, of Sam and Nick. And I think, I think they're both really highly talented players that are very raw and, and we can really harness that and, and turn them into to a fantastic ruckman. So is the fact that you left North amicably made this a little easier for you, Todd? Because 
it sounds like you wanted to leave in the right way if you were going to leave, and it sounds like you're really happy with the way it unfolded for North fans to understand that is important for you? Yeah, it was hugely important. You know, it's, it's, it's 17 years of my life. It's my entire life I've, I've been at North Melbourne. There's a lot of teammates, staff, supporters who, are, who, are, who feel like they're family to me now. And, you know, the, the most important thing for me was this was handled properly. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it behind closed doors. I want to make sure we were out front and, and it was handled properly. And that's the way me and my management have always tried to do all these things is, is be upfront and honest and, and try, try and hold ourselves up with the way we, we act and, and the way we handle ourselves. So I'm, I'm really glad it went that way and you know, North held up their end of the bargain as well. Can I ask how many years you've got at Essendon and is the development role you... We just mentioned you want to be part of development. Is there a long-term role for you? Uh, look, we, we've only spoken about the next 12 months and you know, I've sort of played the last two or three years like it's it could be my last and I understand at my age you can never quite know how the body's going to be travelling at the end of each season and, and how your mind's going to be going. So I'm I'm really sure you understand it's only a one-year contract, but there's no... Definitely no word that this is my definitely my last season. We'll we'll just see how things go, and there's definitely an opportunity there to to act as a bit of a ruck coach and and help develop Sam and and Nick as well, and and that's something that I'm really excited by. So two rucks, it's a bit of a different philosophy from the two coaches, Alistair Clarkson and Brad Scott. Given that Essen do want to play two rucks, it it is a different sort of philosophy, and they're in a different well, realm when it comes to pushing for a flag as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you can sort of see the the feeling that at Essendon and, and the few players I, and coaches I've spoken to, you can see there's a real desire to to get back to finals and, and to get to winning some finals. And you know that that's definitely something that I I want to try and do. I want to try and help this footy club. And you know I, I think with Brad very committed to to trying to play with two rucks where possible. I think you know, I really enjoyed playing with with Tristan last year, and I, I think it made it a lot easier for me. And I think it, it made it really good to work in a partnership. So. You know, all those sort of philosophies that, that I'm in the conversation I had with, with Brad and with Adrian is, is definitely something that fits in with my ethos as well. And it's stating the obvious, but Essendon is in with a better opportunity of winning a flag in the next year or two than North. So that plays to your favour. I presume you'd love a flag. Oh, of course. And, and that, that obviously, you know, you, you, you play every year and you want to try and give yourself the best opportunity to win a flag. But that is also not the only thing that I made the decision off. And there was a, a myriad of different things that I had to consider. And, you know, obviously the, the hunger and desire to, to try to push up and try and win a flag at an estimate is, you can feel it and it's definitely there. And, you know, that, that definitely helped me. But yeah, there were a number of other factors as well that, that came into it. Do you mind, some factors can remain private, that's fine, but can you list a few of them outside of the opportunity to win a flag and the, the two-ruck opportunity to play? Um, did you need a change? Did you feel like you needed a change as well? I don't want to put words in your mouth. List a few of the reasons, if you can, why. Because Yeah, I, yeah, I think you look at things like, you know, for me, you know, it's the proximity to home. It's only about 10 minutes away to, to get to Essen, so that's a, that is a, a huge difference maybe in my life. And things like that. The, the ability as well as I think to have a few people that I've already got relationships with at Essendon that make a, make the transition a little bit easier. You've got obviously Brad Scott was um, for nine and a half years. Ben Jacobs is an ex-teammate who's on the coaching staff there. Obviously Benny McKay's joining them today. So you know, there's, there's, a, there's a few friendly faces there which I think for me and, and my personality will definitely help me settle in and, and I think will bring out the best in me. 
Uh, and it was just that defined role, I think, as well, that you know, Brad and, and Adrian came to me with a, a very clear plan and very clear thoughts on how they wanted things to look and how they wanted to work. And you know, that, that role really, really sort of excited me and, and, and really made me you know, think that it could really work for me. So at the moment, we don't know whether it's going to be Sam Draper and you, you and Sam Draper, you and Nick Bryan, um, how it's going to work. But there, it sounds like Essendon's keen to play a ruckman off the bench as well. Yeah, I, I think you'll find there's going to be, throughout the year, there will be a combination, all the different combinations of the three of us. And I think that's the the great thing that we can have is that, you know, it's, it's a really, really long season. So to, to have one ruck playing 23 games, I don't think is necessarily the best thing for for anyone so you know the, I think the plan would be to try to one compete and you know when it really comes down to it they, they'll will know who they, their preferences are for the first two but I think overall it's it's to be able to come in and out and, and you know manage players a bit, bit easier and, and, and rest players when they need to and that's something that you know to, to think about possibly being managed and things like that definitely excite me and it might bring out a little bit more life in my footy. You mentioned the proximity and the familiarity of Essendon I presume there were other clubs that had a chat to you, tried to get to you? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I, and, uh, yeah, it was, I was had a few clubs talking, and you know, I felt very priv- privileged that at, at my age I did have a few clubs that were interested. And, you know, that, I think it was, yeah, it was very flattering, but um, you know, I think and it was a very, very tough decision. But I think for me it was, yeah, I, I couldn't get across the emotion that I felt of being part of Essen, and I grew up as an Essen supporter, my my dad was a 30 or 40 year member at Essen. I know how much it would have meant to him to see me play for Essen. So, you know, that family connection definitely played a role in it as well. And when it came down to it, those emotions were, were hard to, to shake. You wanted to be Matthew Lloyd as a kid, didn't you, Goldie? You wanted to play forward and throw grass in the air? Yeah, I, I did. I had, yeah, I've, I've had a few different numbers on that. I think I, I, think I started with Gavin Wanganine um, on my back. Um, I think I then moved to James Heard. Into, and then I rotated around between um, Adam Ramanaskis and Matty Lloyd. So um, I spent a lot of time kicking little Macca's footies, soft Macca's footies around out my family home, pretending I was playing for Essendon. So, um, yeah, it definitely evokes a lot of those memories. And um, it definitely gets me excited and, and really motivates me to, to want to come out and want to perform for this footy club. I understand you put an Essendon jumper on today for the pictures. Did it have a number on it? What number are you? Uh, no, no we, haven't, we haven't worked that out yet. So... Um, no, it just had my name on the back, which was um, a bit different. But um, yeah, it, was, it definitely can take a little bit to get used to. Definitely after seventeen years, it, it did. I do feel like I look a little bit strange in a in a red and black jumper. But no, it was a, it was a great feeling pulling that on. It's been a, been a long time since I've worn Nesson jumper, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to pull it on. How good's Ben Mackay, Todd? It seems like we haven't seen the best of him. Sometimes we we do get glimpses, but we haven't seen the best of him yet, have we? No, and I think and. Ben could be an incredible player. I think we've seen how good he can be when he's really comfortable and, and clear and understands the system. And I feel really sorry for him because in his, what, I think it's six years he's been in the AFL system now and he's had five different coaches. Now, that's that's really unsettling and really hard for any player to be at their best because it's each coach bring in, brings in a new defensive system and a new way you want to play. One might be one-on-one, one might be more of a zoning defense. So there's a lot of changes you had to adjust to and he's still been one of our better defenders every single year and I think he's just growing as a player. He's already, I think he was already in the top five for intercept marks last year. So he, he, knows, how to, he knows how to defend. He, he takes the, 
the number one forward every single week and he really relishes that opportunity and, and more often than not he gets the job done. So I, I think Ben's going to fit in really well into the into Brad's system and I think he's going to see a, a new lease on life and you know, hopefully he's, his mind's a bit clearer because obviously there was a fair bit going on, a fair bit of tension around him this year. So hopefully with a clearer mind next year, we'll see him even better, Benny McKay. Benny McKay. And given what you said about the mix of coaches, if it didn't help Ben McKay, I presume that there's a few other players as well at North that it's been difficult to see their best under so much change. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been very strong. I think when we when North appointed Clarko for five years, I think that was the best thing they could have done because the, the one thing that all these young guys are craving is just that bit of stability and a bit of certainty around what's going on. And you know, it, it's so hard to keep chopping and changing systems and you know, finding out you know, what a coach's expectations are of you because that changes for every single coach. Every single line coach is, is different. So to have that stability around them is you know, hopefully going to only help them and hopefully you're going to see the, the young boys really flourish over the next year or two in the, having the same system to, to work through. And the vision that you were sold at Essendon, uh, have you spoken to Zach Merritt and Darcy Parrish? Have you had the midfielders already screaming at you for the first, first option for your palm downs? Um, no, I've, I've had a couple of texts from, from Zach over this process. Um, but other than that, it's no, I, I, I sort of didn't need too much communication with the players. I think the, I, could see, I could see enough from the ones I spoke to of how determined they were. I, I could see how I could fit in and I watched them pretty closely this year and you know, obviously understanding that my relationship with Brad and, and wanted to see how they went this year. Um, so I have a fair idea of how, how their midfield goes. I've played against them a fair while, but you know, there's some pretty handy players there and hopefully might be a few more coming in by the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it does look like you might get a couple more. You, any others on the agenda for what? Did you have a chat to Adrian Dodoro? Who else is coming? Ben Mackay, myself, who else are you getting? <laughs> no, Adrian, Adrian plays his cards pretty close to his chest, and I, uh, so I'm not, I'm not too sure. Especially the, the Xavier request definitely took me by surprise. I hadn't heard that one before. But um, no, look, I, I think it just shows what where the club's headed, and you know they want a, their, their determination to get better and to, to win games of footy. And I think you know going from four or five wins in 2022 to 11 wins in 2000 in 23 was was a huge jump, and I think they can continue to climb up the ladder. So there's a fair bit of excitement around the, the footy club, which is, which is great, and a few new faces all joined together, which I think will make us all feel a bit comfortable, and hopefully we can you know, go on to bigger and better things next year. And the text keep coming through for you, Todd, as well. Good luck, Goldie. Genuine, lovely bloke. I think uh, we, we can't wait to see the infectious, bubbly Todd Goldstein with that smile on his face back again next year. There's been some, some tough yards for you over recent times. You, you deserve to get something, a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. So I think, uh, I hope you feel that the footy public are wishing you well, including North fans. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't have, yeah, I couldn't thank the, the North supporters anymore. I know it's t- tough to see a, a North Melbourne person go to, to Essendon. I know that's probably the last place that most North supporters want me to do, but I, they've all been really supportive. I, I couldn't thank the, the supporters enough. It's, it's made my transition and made my decision much easier. So I, I couldn't thank any of them enough and no, I don't respond to. I haven't been able to respond to a lot of them because there's been a lot of messages over the journey. But um, I really am appreciative. I, I see them all, and, and thank you very much. And I can't thank you enough, Todd. You've been great to me on this program and to the listeners of this program. And we do wish you the best. I certainly do. I hope you. I hope you fly next year. So good luck and thanks again for having a chat.
No, thank you much, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Todd Goldstein joining us. Thanks to Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. And thanks to Tyre Power. Think safety this month. Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local Tyre Power. Bringing you all the trade news on day two of the trade period. Lost in the wash for rjsanderson.com.au. RJ Sanderson and Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. What's been lost in the wash? Today, well, we've got to a lot, but let me race through a heap of texts as well that have been lost in the wash that I should have read by now. Uh, thanks, Tom Mitchell, for giving us an insight into the shenanigans that go on at AFL Club. It was very eye-opening. I think it is nice to hear an insider's view. I enjoyed it. Uh, Dwayne, maybe Tom Mitchell should just enjoy being a premiership player. The old saying, let sleeping dogs lie, is very apt. That's from Susan. Susan, I think if you've got a podcast, you've got a right to tell your story, and that's the beauty of podcasts these days. Every player has a method of telling their story if they want to and the podcast is the perfect avenue and if you want to hear it more and hear it in context the ball magnus podcast is the podcast that tom mitchell has pipe the dockers are in a worse position than the eagles right now well if you lose schultz and you lose henry um you've got to say your list is weakened a little as good as your kids are tim gossage is going to join us from wa in about 20 minutes from now so we'll check in with tim as to whether he thinks that's the case Dwayne. Uh, have you called Sam Mitchell or someone from Hawthorne for the right of apply? Did Mitchell raise his concerns with Hawthorne at the time? Pete and Werribee? Well, I think Sam Mitchell might even be on breakfast sometime this week, if not this week, uh, next week. So uh, he'll be asked. Don't worry about that next time he does an interview. Um, Dwayne, what about the famous Robert Walls training incident where a player had to box the team? Uh, yeah, that is a legendary story. That's uh, more than just verbal feedback. Um, yeah, and even Blighty. Back in the day, I think he sent Austin, well, he did send Austin McCrabb away from the quarter-time huddle for not adhering to a team rule and said, well, you can go and stand over there on your own, Austin. So things have watered down a lot in the AFL world when it comes to player feedback for getting things wrong or not getting things as right as you should be. Hey, Dwayne, when does next year's fixture list come out so we can plan away games and avoid plain fair gouging? Pete from Peakhurst. Normally around Melbourne Cup week is when the fixture comes out. Last year it came out a little later, but I'd expect something around Melbourne Cup week or just after again from the AFL this year, maybe that second week of November. And we all love it when it comes out because we can all do some planning. Uh, The game review method of telling players they aren't in future plans is pretty gutless and not necessarily with mature conversations. That's from Ash. Well, that's just the way footy clubs operate. It's the honesty straight up. And sometimes it's honesty in front of your teammates, but... As Nathan Buckley said, there's going to be less honesty in front of your teammates and more just one-on-one man-to-man discussions going forward now. Uh, Hey, Pipe, uh, Mitchell needs to understand that there are role ratings within the team, not individual performance ratings. Uh, Cheers, Catter. There's a lot of that coming through on the Tom Mitchell podcast. Um, if If the VFL records were split from the AFL, I reckon you could count me out and many more as well. Dave from Merbu North. Well, the Twitter poll is still up, given... A caller earlier today on Midday Matter saying we should delineate between AFL time and VFL time and the Twitter poll is still up and it's still running at around 57%, I think, that we should delineate between AFL starting and AFL premierships and those that came before it. And hey, Dwayne, I'm going to Werribee this afternoon to buy a new car. If I drop your name, will I get a discount? Well, if, you, if David is there or Janan is there and if you speak to David or Janan and you say, hey, I'm a... Midday Maddest, Dwayne's World listener. If they say to you, who's Dwayne? 
um, then I'll give you 50 bucks for petrol myself if you buy a new car and they don't know who in the hell I am. So make sure you ask for one of those two uh, or I'm up for 50 bucks. Um, keep your text coming. Hi, Dwayne. I'm very happy for the Bombers to win the draft season again. Steve in Wyala, uh, they've more than won the draft season, I think, if they get all of those players in. And Todd Goldstein is a big win for them. Jordan Dugowie's also spoken today. I don't want to let this get lost in the wash. So Jordan Dugowie has spoken about the Stephen May best and fairest talk uh, about we were better than them, um, should have smoked them. Here's Jordan Dugowie on the Today Show on Channel 9. But, you know, when a team like Collingwood wins, there are a lot of haters that come out, including Stephen May, reckons he might have been able to smoke the pies. You've got to write a reply right now. What would you say back to him? I just think the proof's in the pudding. I guess I'm the one with the medal around my neck. That's all I can really say. Jordan DeGoey having some fun with that. Uh, By the way, he was also asked about Taylor Adams and the trade request on the Today Show. Here's his answer to that question. Yeah, I guess this is just the way football's going these days. It's obviously, you know, it's not, not the greatest thing you want to hear, but, you know, I love Tay as a bloke and, and whatever he thinks he needs, you know, we're all going to support him with that. But um, as you know, he's still contracted, so who knows what's going to happen. Spoke pretty well there, Jordan Degoe. And some other news floating around. Josh Gavlich reports that Melbourne midfielder James Harms has requested a trade to the Western Bulldogs. So there's another trade update thanks to Tyre Power, number one on the Tyre trade table. Trade update for Tyre Power. Tire Power. Number one on the Tyre's trade table. Quick update. North Melbourne did have a couple of days to match the Essendon offer for Ben Mackay. Now, just to short-circuit the whole thing, they've decided to tell the world they won't match Essendon's offer today so we can move on with it and they can move on with the fact that Ben Mackay is now officially an Essendon player. North Melbourne get picked three as compensation and they've decided not to take the full couple of days to consider whether they'll match the offer or not. So that update, thanks to Tyre Power. Chris in Ballarat, you there, Chris? Oh, afternoon, Pipe. A um, couple of quick things. One, the AFL is an expansion of the VFL, which is why if you then take away the history of the VFL, you've basically taking away the history of the, the, the prior comp. Uh, I so I, think I, the, I don't think anybody wants to take simplistic. away the history of it, Chris. It's just a matter of that Channel 7 graphic of how many premierships won. To have the Brisbane Lions not have Fitzroy's premierships included was an interesting talking point on grand final day. And I think uh, our caller earlier today picked up on it. But I'm with you on keeping the history. Oh, that's a, I think that's an error on Channel 7's behalf because it'd be like it'd, they're, they're the result of a merger. It's that's yeah. that's a different discussion altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the bit I was going to talk about too, um, I don't think it matters. Uh, look, as an Essence supporter, I might then be seeing that it's a biased way of looking at it. But North Melbourne received a first round pick. If they finished, if they lost in a prelim, it would have been pick 15, 16. Yeah. The fact that they're down the bottom means it's pick three. It's 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 not. They haven't been, the AFL haven't sat there and gone, oh, let's go and give them a really high-end draft pick. It's the the formula spits out a first-round pick with Tom Duday. Didn't quite get there. They got an end of first-round pick. Yeah. If it was slightly less for Duday, it would have been a second-round pick. So it's, it's there's no there's never going to be a perfect system with free agency. And if you wanted, if Adelaide weren't happy with Duday's pick as an example. They yeah. could have matched it and then negotiated like they did with Dangerfield and like the Giants did with Cameron. 
Yeah, agree with all that, Chris. Uh, you've put it in a nutshell pretty well. Stephen in Montmorency, thanks for holding. Stephen? Uh, thanks, Dwayne. And how are you? Love your show. Lovely to Thank you. Um, last year after the Bali incident, Tim Gossie came on and said that the go is a waste of space, a waste of potential, never realise his ability. Collingwood should dump him. Uh, you can't put, hold, he can't hold a candle to any other player. His 2018, 19 and 23 final series have all been off the dial and he's rated in the top five players in the league by guys no less than Mark Robinson. I just think I'd love him to see if he could think back what he said and how he <laughs> canned him, canned him vociferously and viciously. It was like a character assassination you'd never seen before. And I just wonder if there's any humble piety and you could feed him. <laughs> You'll see this as a setup, uh, as if we've given you a call in anticipation of having him on. That's not how it worked, though. Um, although I did ask you to hold over the break, not knowing what you were going to talk about. Tim Gossage, host of SENWA Breakfast, has been good enough to join me. How's that for a smack between the eyes as a welcome? Tim, welcome to you. Oh, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, no oh. worries. Thank you, thank you, Dwayne. Appreciate that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Were you that hard on, harsh on Jordan Degoe? Uh, no, not really, but Scotty Cummings has, has a love affair with Jordan DeGoey. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and, but, you know, it was probably justified by, you know, by the end of it, he was probably justified to, to have the love affair, but I'm not going to fall for it completely, but anyway, we'll go with that. <laughs> right. Um, I had a text earlier on, who's in a better position right now in the chase for the next flag, Fremantle or the West Coast? West Coast. Which is sad, isn't it? Really, I, I think the Fremantle. You know, I they're going to lose. They're going to they're going to miss Henry, and they're going to miss Schultz if they lose him. Yeah, yeah, they are, and they still haven't fixed their real problem. Jai Amos is a very, very good player. They've got to get the Sean Darcy situation organised. Um, they've got to get that uh, certainly um, fixed. But um, the bottom line is that. Um, uh, West Coast, the rebuild is on. Uh, I think this is a massive draft for Massive. This is game-changing. And Fremantle really are dealing with you know, departures and, and, and having not much at the table in regards to uh, Luke Jackson. Trade's already sort of uh, you know, starting to take shape in regards to not having much at the table in regards to what they've got for Luke Jackson right now. So... Um, yeah, I genuinely believe... Oh, look, I think Fremantle... Fremantle need to strike, and I've said this all along. Fremantle need to strike, I would say, within two years, absolutely within two years. If they don't, then that boat and that, that ship has sailed. So do you think the West Coast will be keen to... Well, North have got picks 2, 3, 15 and 21. I think North's in a good position to do nothing. Just wait and see what the West Coast do with getting Harley Reid or grabbing Daniel Curtin, and if the West Coast want Harley Reid, well, maybe just North just take Daniel Curtin and another good young kid. Do you think there will be any trades for pick one at all done? Um, I think what you've just said then sort of covers it off. I think if North Melbourne said to West Coast, we're, no, if West Coast said to North, give us two, three, 15... <laughs> then we'll give you pick one. But I just don't think North Melbourne will. I just don't no. see the point. North Melbourne are going to get a real good piece of the pie of the young talent. Although the people that you speak to, after the Gold Coast get their, 
hands all over the ones that they want to get their hands all over, all of a sudden, beyond five and six and seven and eight and nine, ten, it just becomes not not the same old, same old, but you know, there is no probably game changing talent like yeah. Harley Reid or you know, so and then that's not being disrespectful. It's just that it's it's Harley Reid and the rest when you speak to everybody else, the gap is quite big. Now Daniel Curtin He's a West Aussie. He's a, he's a, he's a left footer. He, he's a big enough body to play probably key position going forward. He wants to stay in WA, but he's happy to go wherever. But, you know, there's a decided gap. And I don't think West Coast, as much as I think West Coast wants Daniel Curtin, I don't think they would be giving up pick one if they didn't get pick three as well and another one. So, look, there's so much to play out. But both are in powerful positions. But West Coast are a situation, Dwayne, and damned if you do and damned if you don't. If they don't take Harley Reid and get the pick of the store with the other early picks for what they take, then Harley Reid is a generational-type player and they will be forever uh, keeping an eye on his progress and process of, of becoming a superstar. Or if they take him and the three picks that they don't take, it's, just, it's, it's got Andrew McLeod, Fremantle Dockers written all over it. I don't know what <laughs> Right, so that was a horror one. Yeah, the American system would be such that if the West Coast Eagles took Harley Reid with pick one, then they could say to North, okay, do you want him? Because if you give us picks two and three, we will now give him to you. But once you take a guy in our system, you got him. You can't then trade him out for the right picks after that. So, yeah, yeah I, it will be interesting on draft night. At least for the first time on draft night, we've got a huge unknown unless someone breaks the story the day before, like they normally do. Yeah, look, there's some been, there has been some amazing stuff broken by Sam and Tom and and all the other boys on you know on other podcasts as well. It's it is a crazy time, and and you know on top of that, you know we get the Lockie Schultz news. It's just mm. bizarre, just completely bizarre the way that that has unfolded. Question being asked: Does Lockie want to go back to Victoria for personal reasons, which we're led to believe he is, and we can respect that and understand it? Or does he want to just go to Collingwood? Or does he, if he doesn't get to Collingwood, does he not want to go back to Victoria? I'd love to know how that's, how that's played mm. out over the last 48 hours. Yeah, so they will keep him if they can, won't they, Lockie Shorts, Fremantle? I think, yeah, but then they, 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 but yes, they will. But then they're in fear of getting nothing for him. But yep. they, need, they need to be clever. They need to be clever at, the, at, the, at this trade table situation. And it's a really difficult one. He's got that extra year to run. He wants to go home for personal reasons. Collingwood have offered him a, a big deal. What can they get back? Is one pick in the you know, is a first round pick enough for Fremantle? They've got to find their way up in the draft for their future. They've got to find their way, um, and then they can't afford to lose a goal kicker of his prowess. They don't kick enough goals as it is, and he's a prolific goal kicker for them. Got a couple of coaches over there under pressure next year, Tim. Both coaches are. Yeah, they are very much so. Um, Probably line ball in regards to under, who's under more pressure. The genuine rebuild of West Coast, and I think that's what it is, uh, probably cuts Adam a bit of slack, but they wouldn't want to have five horror losses. I think West Coast will improve rapidly. I really do. Mm. I think they'll, and they cut, look, they're coming off a very low base, but their best is still going to be hard to beat. Uh, as far as Fremantle is concerned, Justin Longley will probably knows. I think everyone knows. They can't afford to not be competitive, and they certainly can't afford not to make the finals. Great to have you, Tim. Um, say hello to. Your great offsider for me is the great man, Scotty Cummins. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, any time, Dwayne. You can join our show any time you like, Tuesday to Friday. Well, every now and then I need you to bump up my ratings. So if you can be available for me, that'll be fantastic. I uh, appreciate your time. And uh, 
<laughs> well, let's face it, I'm only filling in for you on this show, as I always say. It'll be the Tim Gossett Show for at least a month over summer, and I'm only filling in for the other 11 months. Great to have you, Tim. That 48 weeks is mine. Thank you. <laughs> Tim Gossett, thanks to OMF, Australian-owned and designed. The OMF big, big spring sale is on now with up to 60% off selected mattresses. And uh, while we're talking about stuff that's on offer, Belmont Tiles giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance to win terms and conditions apply. Quite a few texts have been coming through that I haven't got to. Uh, I'd love to be able to sit here and just read texts for an hour. We get hundreds. One here. I stood with Todd Goldstein's dad, Carlton Viesa in grand final, 1968. He was a fanatic bomber, and I am a blue fanatic. Blues won, and I had to comfort him all the way home. Uh, I was 15, Todd's dad 14. Regards, Alex. So there's a, a nice little look back at history. Uh, Dwayne Hutchie needs to branch out into other Midday Madness merchandise, such as the Dwayne Russell bobblehead for your car dashboard. Well, I'm trying to get... It's hard enough to get the T-shirts up and running. But if I can get some bobbleheads, just because you obviously think I'm a head bobbler, uh, we'll have a chat to Hutchie in the next week about that as well. 